Hey, welcome back again to Uncommon People. This is episode 34 of the show, where I sit down with John Schultz to talk about his life. This show generally is a conversation with somebody else about their life, their experiences and perspective that they have, what they've learned on their journey. I think we could all stand to learn a great deal from those around us. Um, and that that comes from, to start with at least, just listening and asking questions. So this conversation happened um, between John and I just sitting down over drinks and enjoying one of those company and seeing where the conversation would go. So I would encourage you to do this kind of thing too. Just have a conversation with somebody. As I said, this is episode 34 of the show. Um, we talk about a number of different things. Both of us come from a homeschooling background as far as education goes. We talk about... Um, Humility and fear and blind dates are discussed briefly. So I hope you enjoy the conversation, that you have a good time listening to it, and that you learn something from it, hopefully, as well. This was a real pleasure for me, and I hope it is for you as well. And without further ado, here it is, number 34 of Uncommon People. used to record these i don't even know um so joe joe did all the research um because when we decided we were going to try and do a podcast joe was like i have the gear i got it don't worry about it and then we just split it three ways uh, the money and then um yeah so he has like a um one thing he said he wanted to do was and i'm gonna really butcher this but like the like what microphones, like mics, like singing mics plug into, uh-huh. whatever that input output XLR. is. XLR. XLR, that's the one. So yeah. we got like a sound system that records um, and that you can adjust volumes on with yeah. XLR right. um, inputs there. And so then we just got four mics and then four mic stands and we just, we all bring our headphones yeah. um, each time we try. So you got four mics. We do. Our plan, <clears throat> Our plan is to have guests on... Um, I don't know if I've told you the, like the idea for the podcast. Joe has told me about it. Oh, of yes. course. Of yeah. course. He's yeah. got a big mouth. Uh, yeah. yeah, no. So yeah, something worth knowing. We come up with a topic and then, you know, we'll, we plan to have guests on and they come up with their own topic that the three of us have to research and uh-huh. talk about. So that's like, that's the idea, but yeah, we. We, we've realized that we're, we're really busy right now, and so this isn't the best season to try and go for it because we've recorded several, uh-huh. but then we decided, you know what, let's just start from scratch. And, cause, oh, really? Yeah, and Joe just started a new job, and we're right. just like, it's busy. Because it's, yeah, I mean, yeah. he does the tech, he does the editing, he does the uploading, right. so he's got the biggest responsibility mm-hmm. for it. So we were just like, you know, let's just take a break. It's not yeah. worth it. It's a hobby that we'll pick up again soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, we'll definitely have you on whenever we do get up. And oh, running, I'd love to for sure. It's a fun so. thing to do, even if other people don't experience it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. John and I actually have recorded a few episodes of a hidden podcast. Oh snap! That no one in uh, who listens to this one will hear. Okay. Well, I don't know. 
depends on who's listening. I'm not going to say what it is on here, but it's an unlisted, oh, okay. it's an unlisted show. You gotcha. can't find it on anything. Gotcha. It's hidden on my website. This <laughs> is so just for you guys. Yes. Just yeah. for you guys. Yeah. And I mean, it's we haven't recorded anything on it in months, but yeah. it was fun. It was fun, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It, w- it really just started because when I bought these microphones and got them set up, mm-hmm. I was sitting here and I was like, John, come in here. Get in here. Sit down. <laughs> How does talk. it feel? And they're yeah. like, well, we might as well talk. Dude, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so, it yeah, is fun. fun. It is fun just to like have an excuse to talk to friends and yeah, I, you, I don't know. It's like a, for us too, I think it's like a creative outlet because everyone, except for Joe now, like Christian and I, our jobs aren't super creative, I guess. I guess they can be in some ways, but um, so it's, it's fun to get to do something that's a little more creative and yeah. fun like this. So. And gives opportunity for conversation that you might not otherwise have. Oh yeah, which I've found is fun for this. Like, yeah. like I said, some some people have had on the last one actually that I recorded with Bradley Riggs was just fun because I hadn't got to talk with him really before that much, and we just sat down and talked for two hours, and it was great. And there wasn't yeah. an agenda, there wasn't a specific route I wanted to go or destination I wanted to reach in his life. Yeah, I just wanted to have a conversation, and yeah. so we did. And it That's was great. Cool. It was fun. Yeah. So that's what this is. Very cool. But I think Christian is the one who told me, he's like, hey, you know who would be good to have on the podcast? Oh, my gosh. John. Did he say why? Because I'm curious. No, I don't know why. Because we're going to have to find out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out along the way. So I didn't know that there were six of you guys. Yeah, I have six siblings. Yeah, there's three girls and three boys. And I fall... Number five, so I'm the fifth child. So Joe is my only younger sibling, okay. and so yeah, it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's fun to have a, a big family. I I think I don't know. I'm anything also different. one of six. Are you really? Yeah. Oh my. Gosh. I think that I knew this about you guys at some point. It would have okay. been told to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I've had Joe over and we've just talked about like his family when yeah. we were first kind of getting to know each other. And so I'm sure he mentioned that he's one of six. Probably. But I didn't remember. Yeah. So, so now I'll remember. So where do you fall in the age? I'm the fifth. You're, so I'm you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I'm I feel you, like it, and Joe is my younger brother. There you go. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a kinship toward you all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. How many, do you have any sisters? One sister. One sister. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, for all those who are just so eager to dig into Joel's personal life on the podcast, now you know something else about me. Yeah, well, it's actually funny that you bring that up because I've I've done some research. I've listened to several of your episodes since you've asked me to do this. Oh, really? Which and, ones? Um, I listened to the I well one I remember is Tuck Johnston. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mostly just because of the name, I clicked on that and I was like, yeah. Um, and then a few others. There's one, I, I don't remember the name super well, but the BMX rider. Um, Louie. Louie, yes. Yeah, who so. Joe introduced me to because they worked together. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. He must have worked, worked at, Onyx. at Onyx. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So just, you know, see what I was in for. Yeah. See what was going on. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious more about, about you too. So I have my own questions. Okay. That I've thought about. Yeah. We'll get into this. This is funny. Yeah. So Tuck mentioned in, in his episode, he's like, when am I going to get to, when's your story? 
Yeah. When is your episode? I'm right there with them. And yeah. then the next person I recorded with, Scott Wood, said the same thing and said, you know, I'd like to sit down and talk to you and ask you questions. There you go. So I thought that was kind of funny. I think I'll I'll save it. I'll I'll gladly do that, but not just for a random episode. It'll be in the future. Something like episode 50. Oh, and, yeah. And this like is 34 that we're recording right so now. So this is it'll, just it'll another one in while. the books. This one have has no real, you know, big, important meaning. No importance at all this one to just the get conversation lost. you and I are about. Yeah, that. that's yeah, fine. Yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. <laughs> you know, you should have one of, like, like, somebody you know, maybe your younger brother or something, take your spot, like, sit in your chair and then ask you questions that, I don't know, like, reverse the, I don't I, know. I don't think I want... Yeah, my I don't think I want anyone in my family to do it. Oh, fair enough. But I could think of people who would be good. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. Gotcha. Tuck would be genuinely really good for that. Yeah. Um He and I know each other quite well and we're also pretty similar in how blunt we can be. Yeah. And we understand yeah. each other very well. So I think I think he would be a good person he'll to be, do it. He'll get right down and to it. And he was the first person to really say that should happen and have me respond with, yeah, that actually does sound like a reasonable idea. Yeah. So it'll probably be him. Very cool. But enough about me. Tell me about you. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so you're one of six, and you grew up. You guys grew up um, at uh, the camp. What was it called? New Life Ranch. New Life Ranch. Yes. Valley set apart for the glory of God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's their tagline. Wow. Yeah. So you knew the Harris family as well. I did. Yeah. Cass and Brandy. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know them? Yeah. How do you know them? <laughs> uh, I went to the Grove, which is the church that oh. Cass um, is the worship leader. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Brandy was, um, she was a really awesome swim coach. I don't know if she still mm -hmm. coaches, but... I did swim, like competitive swimming for like four or five years when I was younger. And okay. so she was my swim coach, but she also lived like up the hill from us. Yeah. And so, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know them. Yep. They are also people who I would like to have on this show. Oh, yeah. Um, guys, yeah. if you're listening, I've been meaning to ask you for a long time <laughs> again, because I've asked you before and I've been nervous because I don't like bringing things up. I don't like getting in touch with people again after you haven't talked to them in a while and it sounds like you're making a request. Yeah, asking something from them. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but get that. It, it would be just sitting down for a conversation and both of them independently have said yes, they would like to do it. Um, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there Brandy's go. been a huge encouragement for me um, in general in life, but also specifically as regards to this podcast. Um, and we always have fantastic conversations. Yeah. So That's cool. this is a good reminder to ask them. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah they're they're pretty great. But, but yeah, New Life Ranch, which yeah. is Oklahoma, you said. It is. It's just across the border from Arkansas. Uh, it's literally f like fifteen. I think it's like twelve minutes from Salem Springs. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I grew up there. We moved there in two thousand three from Dallas. Um, my my oh. dad started started working there, and um, yeah, got to grow up at a summer camp, which was quite fun um i had a lot of interest early on like doing the the high ropes course and rock wall climbing and then i was into horses for about a year or so and got to go horseback riding and 
scoop and poop in the sheds and ah, you know saddling horse. Yeah, it's great. It's a great time. Great, I love horses. Time. Yeah. How do you I, feel about horses currently? What do you think of them? Uh, I have a uh, healthy respect for them. Uh, I've just seen too many videos of them uh, kicking people, you know, bucking people off. Right. Bucking with a B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I definitely still like them though. I, I think they're they're very fun. I the last time I rode one, um, it was just a simple, very simple like. I I didn't kick it into gear or anything. It was just a little like walk trot in in the woods, and that was really nice. So it it was first gear. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I didn't try and you know, really. Yeah. You didn't make much use of the clutch. No, 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 definitely not. Uh, stalled out a couple times, in fact. But yeah, it, it was. I like horses. I think they're fine. They're fine and and dandy. So yeah, yeah. I I think I also would say I have a healthy respect for them. I've never ridden a horse. I've okay. petted horses. I've been very mm. close to them. Yeah. Um, but I've never had the opportunity to ride one. But I just think sure. they're such um, graceful, beautiful animals, and also yeah. powerful. When when you get up close to them. You remember that they're very large, strong animals. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, I was scared of them pretty early on because someone I was working with told me, like, whenever you walk behind a horse, make sure you put its hand on its behind when you're as you're walking behind it, so uh-huh. it knows you're there, so it won't just kick. Yeah. Randomly. I'm like, why are Maybe they kicking randomly? Yeah, or intentionally. It could be. I still don't know, but yeah. So that was kind of like, okay, so I got to really. You know, because you look into their eyes and animals, you know, I feel like you can just, you can tell they can really just go crazy at any point in time that they can, I don't, yeah. Huh. It's funny to just think about an animal and know like this thing could kill me, like really if it wanted to at yeah. any time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I try and have a, a healthy respect for them. But I, you know, I think they're, they're sweet for the most part. I think um, I always felt bad. Whenever we'd put the bits in them, though, uh-huh. so that's you know what what's attached to the reins right. to, to control them, and it always seemed very painful. But I guess it maybe it isn't for them. I don't know. Uh-huh. But anyway, I hated the dentist and orthodontist growing up, so maybe that's why I hated oh, it. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah. So, so you were afraid of them. You said it early, early on. Yeah, I think so. When I first started. When, my, when I was first interested in them, I w- was going into the barn most days um, at New Life Ranch to like help shovel poop and um, feed the horses and saddle them whenever they were going to go on trail rides uh-huh. with campers. Uh, and, and even sometimes I got to go on the trail ride too. Um, but it was during that time where someone told me, hey, just make sure you, they kind of, you know, they, were, they weren't scolding me, but they were like, you know, yeah. kind of like correcting me. Like, hey, right. just so you know, whenever you walk behind one, make sure you grab its butt so that it knows it's, you're there. And so... It's one that, of the only animals that you're encouraged to do that with. Grab its butt when you walk behind. Just, yeah, it might be the only one. It <laughs> might be. I'd have to think, but yeah. <laughs> but then you started riding them. Did did at, Was there a moment when you're sitting on the horse and you're moving and then you're like, oh, this feels pretty normal? And yeah. now I'm not afraid. Yeah. Yeah. As I had, I had ridden them before that. And so maybe I just had this like ignorance 
you know, ignorance is bliss, as they say. And okay, so I was yeah. like, oh, this is great. They can't hurt me. They love me, all of them. Right. Um, and so, yeah, when, when I did, yeah, I, I kind of grew up a little bit and realized, like, yeah, I could, I, if I'm not careful, these things can really hurt me. Yeah. So, But anyway, huh. enough about horses. Yeah. I don't really like horses that much. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been like five minutes and we were talking still talking about, about horses. Five minutes. Uh, <laughs> John has already consumed one glass of whiskey, and I'm halfway into one. So maybe we're just very easily sidetracked yeah. at this stage. I guess I just talk about horses whenever I drink whiskey. <laughs> it's news to me. It's news it's, to me. I actually have not had whiskey on the podcast for quite a while. Hmm. When I started the show, I bought a bottle of scotch for it that was on the desk. So it was just for when I record with somebody who wants to drink. Hmm. Um we have that. I haven't had it in a long time. But do you feel like the podcast was improved at all by the presence of whiskey or mm. no change? Or what do you think? I haven't thought about it. The few people who would have indulged in it with me were also older, mm. I think. Yeah. And for that reason, primarily, likely had a better conversation with me than some of the younger people that I've had on the show. Hmm. That's something gotcha. that I've noticed more of late as I've been trying to have people on who I feel like are more articulate or just have more story under their belt. Hmm. I'm not limiting it and saying like, I'm not going to interview anybody under 30, but um, I am more selective now than I was when I first started recording. Yeah. I, when I first started, I was just like, I just got to get it off the ground. I'm recording every week. Yeah. I'm releasing every week. So I just, yeah, you want to be on the show? Sure. Yeah. You know, and it was just kind of, uh, it was anybody who was willing to do it. And it was also chosen, people were chosen from a smaller pool because not that I went swimming all the time. But just like a a circle of a social circle, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and sometimes in a community, there's only one pool, and that's the pool you have to pick out of. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you're left with. But other times you live at, I don't know, a country club. Yeah. And there's a pool there too, and sometimes you just go to the country club instead of going to the community pool. And those are some interesting people you run into. That's very true. Country club. Yep. Old, usually. Old. Which, to your point, that's why you're heading in that direction for this podcast. Yes. Which brings me to the question, why me? At my advanced (laughs) age of 26. No, I'm just kidding. I I think primarily because Christian suggested it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I like Joe. Yeah, and I like John. Yeah, they. I mean, but I haven't talked much with John. Yeah, our interactions have been limited. Uh, There's been a counter in between the two of us. Yeah, and the large majority of our interactions. And I can't tell you how many times I've just wanted to leap over that counter. Yeah, and and now there's no counter, man. There's no counter. No counter. Just a desk. It's to both. It's to the, the side of both of us. Yep. Nothing. It's beautiful. I feel like nothing has been discussed 
20 no, minutes in. No, definitely and not. And we're pressed for time on this one. We've got, not, not really. We've got, to, we've got to New Life Ranch and horses uh, <laughs> and pools. Yeah. I think we're doing really well. Uh, Here, like, here's a question. Okay. Because you typically, you, you indulge my questions when you come into the shop. I tolerate them. Yeah, you tolerate them <laughs> at, at the least. No, I actually enjoy, I talk about your questions to my wife. Every yeah? time you ask me a question, I'm like, Joel asked me a question again today. That's great. So, yeah. So, oh, I forgot what question I was going to ask. Oh, do you make <laughs> a habit of not interviewing in a very um, strict sense of the word, but asking questions of intentionally prodding and like trying to get to know people who you really do not know at all and don't have will say a real specific reason to get to know them. I'll say generally no. For one, I'm I'm a pretty quiet person anyway. Right. And if you knew me as a kid, I probably would have said like two words to you in like five years. I was a very quiet kid. And so I think even today I'm still learning like the art of small talk. Even, I mean... There is a way to be intentional with small talk, but I would, uh, yeah, I would definitely say I'm still learning. I, well, for one thing, my, my grandpa, he's a great man. He is so friendly and literally if we go into a, a store, he's like talking to whoever's stalking the, the shelves uh-huh. and he's like talking about, you know, where they're from or something, or he jokes around with them and, and they're smiling and they have a better day. And I always wanted to be like that. And I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I am now, but I feel like that's where I want to be. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't think I do that very well. I think I, I have a desire to sometimes cause you know, you kind of like see some people sometimes yeah. in the wild and you're like, they look like they're having a really bad day. And I wonder what it'd be like to just go and start talking to them and just try and have like a positive interaction. Again, I think that, and I'm like, well, somebody should do something about that. And then I just walk off and you know go back to whatever I was doing or so I'm not very good at that. I think you, you chose in that scenario, the most difficult situation to do that in, which is the other person seems to be having a bad day. To me, that is a much more daunting task than just someone who seems relatively neutral in their attitude at the time that I approach them or someone who seems to be in a good mood. Um, that's very true. I went to the negative right away. Yes. That is an astute observation, Joel. Yeah, yeah. I'm remembering a time I was in... I'm remembering this because of the thought of, like, somebody was having a really bad day and talking to them. In this instance, (laughs) I did not talk to them, but I talked to the people who were in the vicinity because I was in the post office. I was in a line at the post office. Okay. There was quite a line. I was, at the time, pretty much in the middle of it, so there's people on either side of me. And then there's somebody at, you know, the little side door where you can go and you can ring the doorbell in the post office. And there's like somebody will open the top part of the door oh, and start yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to you like, mm-hmm. hey, what do you need? I, I assume it's for some specific special things. I don't know who gets to use the, the two part door. Yeah. I don't know, man. But there was a woman using it and she was not having a good day. Um. And her 
um, the, the negative aspects of her day seemed to revolve around something the post office had done or not done. And so she was communicating with the post office clerk about this. And all of us in line were kind of looking at each other and kind of smiling a little bit. And um, we were all, I think, just glad that we weren't either of those people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just want to make something of the situation so we're not all just inwardly thinking, what is she what is she so mad about? Can yeah. she like settle down? You know, things like that. Judgmental thoughts. Yeah. I didn't want to spur that on. So I start talking to the people around me like, do you eat the skin of the kiwi? That oh was, I, I'm pretty sure that was the question that I was asking. Yeah. And uh, I think most people said no. But it, it just it formed conversation. And you could tell people were very quickly um, humored by the my choice of topic. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. It distracted from this negative energy that was emanating from a different part of the room. The communication that was taking place. Yes. And yeah. 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 And those questions are fun. Things like that. Things like, do you eat the skin of the kiwi? That's an easy in because it's so out there, kind of. It's true. People are going to have to think about it, for one thing. And then they're going to be like, why do you? <laughs> that's true yeah 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 no it's true and it, i like too that it's I don't know, when, when you're in a moment where everybody's kind of thinking the same thing yeah and then you just kind of have fun with it right all in the same boat right now just sitting in a line listening to some lady scream her head off and yeah somebody else and yeah yeah that's cool so you, do you not think you're good at small talk oh i don't know what do you what do you think small talk is and is it necessary in your mind? Uh, to me is small talk is is kind of like you're just talking to each other because there's really nothing else to do or you're waiting for something. I think a line is a good although I usually just sit quietly in a line. I don't try and go out of my way to talk to anybody but um, yeah, like how's your day going? Good. How's yours? Pretty good. Not bad. And it's like, "Oh, yeah." Mhm. I, I don't even know. Yeah, which I don't think there's anything inherently wrong. I don't think everybody has enough time to have an intentional conversation with everybody throughout the day because that would be exhausting. Right. Yeah, oh, it absolutely exhausting. would. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe I would be good at it if I cared. To be good at it. No, that's, <laughs> that's a little mean, but yeah, I don't know. That's kind of how I feel, I guess, being honest. Yeah. So, yeah. You sound like you're confident in your presence in any given moment. Is Com that true? Confident in my presence? Yeah. Like, I'm here. I don't have to talk to people. I'm not trying to fulfill an obligation or just please people. And I, you know, I have something to do. Does that, is that accurate, you think? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I, uh... I definitely don't feel obligated to talk to people. I think part of that is because I feel like part of my... Uh, character or identity is like I'm kind of a quiet person so it's okay for me to mm -hmm. be quiet but I also always have the thought man I wonder if they think this is awkward I'm like ah, I'll just ride I'll just ride with it <laughs> if it's awkward it's awkward but yeah, um, yeah. What, what was how did you pose that question again I really liked confident in my and your presence in my presence wow yeah. I like how you formed that question 
Thanks. In my presence. I feel like I want to be more confident in my presence. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of times I'm second guessing. Should I even be talking to this person? Should I try and have an intentional conversation? Or, huh. but if I was confident in my presence, then I would be at peace. Wow, Joel, you're really making me think about these things. This was supposed to be my therapy session, remember? We need to. Uh, right, right. Let me. This back uh, let me. Uh, I was also just pausing posture. to write down the question Is this an awkward conversation? Because I think it's mm. one I want to start asking people. Yeah. Or hmm. do you feel awkward right now? I feel slight. Which feels less, that feels more accusatory. Do you feel awkward right now? You know, if you're in a situation with somebody. Yeah. Are, are you asking me that now no, in this situation? No. Do, do you though? Uh, slightly. Okay. <laughs> no, after the, after the whiskey, I actually feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I think if someone asks, or like I, I've had people do this to me. Oh my gosh, I'm being so awkward right now. Yeah, that is awkward to me. <laughs> I hate when people do that. I'm See, like, if somebody fine. says that, you say, now you are. Yeah, it's like, well, now you've done it. Uh, congratulations. Because um, hmm. I think it's fine to be a little awkward. I, I really, people. I mean, we're clumsy, and we just, you know, in life, we just bump into each other and things. It's just life. It's just messy. Yeah. And so I don't know. I. But when people do kind of call it out, I'm uh, then I kind of start cringe, you know, yeah, yeah. which I hate that word. But yeah, I uh, think <laughs> old people like awkwardness. Have you noticed this? Oh, I agree 100% with that. Yeah. They don't care. They <laughs> because, don't give a yeah, rip. Because they really don't give a rip at that point. And so they see other people suffering in their awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. And it just makes yep. them chuckle, I think. I agree 100%. That's where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's I'm you, that usually is me, honestly. When it, whenever I have the opportunity, because I just genuinely don't feel awkward very much at all. Um, I could have guessed that just based on the interactions I've seen at the coffee shop that you you just talk to people or you don't. Yeah, and then you go and you just do something else, and yeah. then oh hey, you know, I, yeah, you don't really yeah, seem like yeah. an awkward person to me at all. Hey, thanks. So, yeah, that's an accomplishment for a former homeschooler. You know, that's funny because I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Because we had talked about that. We we have very similar backgrounds as far as how many siblings we have and our education. Because I also you, was homeschooled. You also were homeschooled. Okay, yeah. yeah. What age were you homeschooled your whole life? In my whole life, yeah. Yeah, me too. How do you feel about the stereotypes around homeschoolers? I think for the most part, it's um, pretty much spot on. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, really? I was, was going to be surprised. <laughs> I think it's fair. I mean, I knew those people. I knew some of the stereotypes. And so I think as most things, as most stereotypes are, it's overblown. And when people think, oh, that's how every homeschooler is, that's just ignorance, I guess, them right. not knowing any better. But, yeah, I, I never really I, – I got – prodded you know like jokes here and there about being homeschooled still sometimes uh, like older friends will kind of joke about it but i don't think it ever really bothered me i i think the thing that bothered me the most was just like opportunities to like play sports and and do those kind of things because uh my cousins were from texas and they went to a private school that was like a little bit smaller so like everybody knew everybody and they had sports and they were competitive in sports and they had homecoming and all this stuff 
Uh, and I remember being jealous of that experience mm-hmm. um, for the sports, but also just like the, you know, part of the community that you right. went to school with these kids and then you played sports with these kids. Um, because I would go to school with some kids. We would do like co-ops and we would do like a history class with several other families or like a science class. But I would often play sports with like a completely other group of kids. Um, and that was hard. That was a little bit harder, I think, than I would even say because, yeah, it, it was just strange coming in as like the odd man out already yeah, being ninth grade and having to try and fit in with everybody else. You don't mean it was harder physically as a sport, but just socially the situation was more difficult? Yeah. I, The sports, I loved it. And, in fact, my parents went out of their way to find teams that I could play on because I wanted to do it. Uh-huh. But the social aspect was hard um, because these kids, um, one school I played for was um, was like a private school where kids um, actually oftentimes they were in trouble with the law or their family members were in trouble with the law. Okay. And so these kids would stay at the school with house parents mm. year round. And so they lived at the school. They went to school every day and they had like house siblings, you know, other kids in their classes that would be like kind of their, their live-in sibling in a sense. And so they were all very close. And I was coming in out of nowhere basically just for practice and then I'd leave. And so that was hard to really like make connections. And like I said earlier, I was very quiet. Right. So I wasn't like out there. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Did it seem to you like the other kids knew each other really well already and that yeah. added to the shyness maybe? Yeah, definitely. And thankfully, eventually I kind of got to a place where they knew, oh, that's John, you know. I got to know them eventually. Mm-hmm. But um, initially it was definitely hard to kind of, felt like I was breaking through a wall a little bit because they didn't know each other. A lot of them lived with each other. And so, yeah, that was hard. That was definitely hard. Are there any regrets? Sounds like a strong word, but we'll just say that for now. Are there any regrets as far as your homeschool experience or just, I guess, upbringing around your education because of homeschooling? Yeah, I think I I wish I would have just gone to public school or private school just for the sports aspect. Mm. Um, but everything else was pretty great. Um, my mom taught me and my siblings and she was really good. Um, she was, she was a good teacher. Like she could have been a teacher professionally. Uh Um, and so that was really nice to have her. I, I think there are other smaller things like, you know, like I cheated a lot in math and cause I hated it. And, which ironically now, like I look at numbers for a living. And so it's like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Uh, But yeah, that that's smaller stuff. I I'll think about that sometimes, but I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Hmm. So I think the moral, uh, I I, I guess the moral decisions I I would take more seriously than like what I actually got out of school. Because when I think about cheating on math, that was just like trying to find the easy way out and, also lying to like my mom and siblings and stuff about it too. Cause yeah, I mean, which looking back, my mom probably knew what was going on, but um, <laughs> probably so. Yeah, probably so. I don't think I was that slick. So um, yeah, but uh, overall I really enjoyed it. And honestly, I met people like Christian um, 
in the co-op and had a great time with him and, and some other people. Right. Okay. So, so you've known Christian for a long time. I was like nine or 10 when I met Christian. Wow. So it's been a long time. Yeah. We, he is my oldest friend for <laughs> sure. I think I'm his oldest friend. So yeah, that's great. We've, we've, and now you guys have a podcast together. We do. Yeah. Which I don't know when this will air, but we probably still won't by the time this airs, I'm guessing. No, I, this will air. Um, today's Wednesday. Yeah. So just under a month from now. Oh, that's a pretty good turnaround. Yeah. So you must be like. Well, it's because I'm not that ahead. They come out every two weeks, every other Monday. And one oh, just came yeah. out this Monday. Yep. And I have one more in front of you. Gotcha. Um, so Bradley's will release the Monday after next. And then this one gotcha. will release the Monday after that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you probably won't be able to. Nobody will be listening to the pod, your podcast. Yeah, probably when this not. One comes out. Probably not. But we can tease it. So yeah. now all of my listeners can be redirected to your podcast. It's a plug. Yeah. I've always heard about this. Yeah, a plug. It's a plug. Wow. Yeah, so, something worth involved. knowing. Yeah. Come check us out. Yeah. There it is. I don't think I've had anyone else on the show who also has a podcast. We're like competitors. Yeah. <laughs> No, Either I, you get bread on your table or I do. You have a wife and kids. Yeah, feed, that's though. that's true. There's a little more. Well, yeah, you know, there's that. <laughs> also, yeah, we also have other jobs, though, so it's not the end of the world. Right, okay. But yeah. we'll uh, we'll compare numbers and uh, we'll see. Right yeah. now you're winning for sure. Yeah, fortunately I have like a million listeners every episode. So For real? So, you know, I don't Crap. really need my other job. Dang, dude. I would love for that to be true. <laughs> hey, you never know. So everyone's got to start somewhere, you know? That's true. Joe Rogan, I'm sure he started, you know. Yeah, I wonder what... Uh... <laughs> I just heard someone do the Fat Albert impression, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I wonder so. if, uh, if Kramer's here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a friend named David who you may know, David Boylison. I don't think so. No? Okay. Yeah. I call him Kramer because he just comes into the apartment, kind of like oh, Kramer in uh -huh. Seinfeld. I don't know if you're really familiar. Yeah. Yeah. He oh, just, yeah. 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 <laughs> just barrels in. Great humor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very distinctive. Um, yes. David also often has a bottle of alcohol when he comes in that he's ready to share, which is really great. He's That's a very nice. generous man. Yeah. But uh, I don't know who John is interacting with in there. Could be just himself. I've heard only one voice yeah. in there, except for that impression, um, which was pretty good. But I, I think it's just him, if I had to guess. We have money on a it. group chat uh -huh. that's me and him, my younger brother, and two other of our friends. And we've got into the habit recently of sending voice messages in the group chat that's some sort of impression from something, just a short oh clip. Oh my gosh. My brother just sent one. It was 11 seconds long. And um, it was a quote from um, shoot, what was it? It's going to be less funny if I don't remember what it was. <laughs> you just cut this out. Yeah. 
don't know. It was a quote from something. What, what was the impression? Do you remember what the impression? Jordan Peterson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. And dude. it was it was my brother reading part of like a book or something. Yeah. What with what, Jordan Peterson? Is it his voice. book? Oh, no, it's a it's different not. book. It's just with... some random thing, but he read gotcha. it as Jordan Peterson, which is kind of that's funny. good. Yeah, he does have a very distinct voice. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get political already. How do you feel about Jordan Peterson? Uh, wow. You know, I I have gone down. I I'll admit it. I've gone down the Jordan Peterson rabbit hole. Okay. Um, it's been a few years, but. I definitely, oh, really? yeah, I, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole of Jordan Peterson, and yeah, he's an interesting dude. He, um, he's definitely very, uh, he really believes in, uh, well, there was that whole bill that was trying to get passed in Canada about, well, I guess he had thought that it was kind of encroaching on freedom of speech, because it was about um, like pronoun usage and things like that, that they were trying to mandate. And so he was very passionate about not letting that get through. And so he got a lot of backlash from that. Mm. And um, he definitely defended himself. <laughs> he, uh, he took a few... Uh, he does. He, he does rather well at that. And uh, I, it, it is nice to listen to him. Um, and I'll say, I, I think a lot of things he's pretty spot on with. I think... One thing that I really like that he does, um, because he talks, he mentions all the time that he's a clinical psychologist. And so people are like, well, you know, women are generally more this. He's like, well, no, that's not true. That's not true. He's like, I've done the research. I know that that's not true. And people are like, uh, you know, it's like, what do you say to that? To the guy who did the research on it. Right. Uh, and uh, I, so I like that part. The whole like gotcha, like... Uh, he has a very famous clip. I don't, have you? I've not much? seen much. No. Okay. Well, basically, <laughs> there's a whole gotcha, and I'm doing air quotes for the people listening at home. Like mentality or culture, even on YouTube, that like people just want to see videos of people getting totally wrecked by another person, like in conversation, uh -huh. like just trapping them in a corner and being like, "Well, you're wrong, and here's why." Bada bing, bada boom, and yeah. then that's the end of it. And Jordan Peterson, he has one of those like every other video. Like he is a super smart dude, and that's just what he does. Yeah. Um, so I always I, I like to look at the YouTube comments, and people are pretty <laughs> hardcore uh, on on there. And um, yeah, so I, I don't like how divisive he can he can be. Yeah. Uh, I think as much as we can unify as people, the better. Um, whether I think it's right or not. I, I would prefer a less, you know, yeah, divisive, divisive figure, uh -huh. I guess. But I'm pretty That's sure he's fair. he's a Christian, which I respect, as I'm a Christian. Um, and so he he's talked a lot about God and and his faith, and and I like those videos because usually if you get an interview where someone is genuinely asking him good questions and just wanting to know what he thinks, he's very nice and very proper and mm -hmm. yeah, very kind to the person um but when it's someone who's like trying to you know well you said this and he, he gets pretty pissed off you can tell yeah um, so yeah i think he's i think he's a very interesting person yeah. yeah yeah that that would be my my take on him as well i i have a great deal of respect 
for people who are very intelligent mm. because I don't consider myself one of them. I, I oh. think I have a, a reasonable level of intelligence. I can get by. But I'm talking about people who are in the upper echelons of intelligence. Yeah. And who are not just really smart, but they're very well read. They research the things that they're talking about. They're not just talking necessarily even about opinions, but they have lots of data. They mm -hmm. know a lot of things. And I respect that. Yeah. That's, that's not me. Uh, yeah. I think I'm really good at thinking through things. I think I'm good at having responses. Even if I haven't done research, I can think about something hmm. and I can give you some sort of response that I think that's reasonably articulate. But I have a great deal of respect for the people that can do that. And also, they just really know their stuff. Yeah. So I also, I think, would say that Jordan Peterson seems like the attitude that he has when... Um, when when he gets you yeah yeah is, gotcha you know moment. yeah when he has his gotcha moments maybe it's less sensitive than i would want to be yeah. yeah but you know i don't want to argue with the man yeah yeah no, <laughs> um for sure. and i also don't advocate for getting upset with somebody because you don't like what they're saying, even if it's true. If they give you the data and he was like, here's the data and this is why you're wrong about something. Like I tell you that the US consumes 500 million tons of cheese every year. <gasps> and then you're like, no, here's the data. We consume 250 million tons of cheese a year. That's half that. And you show me data and I get upset, not because you were mean about it, but because I'm wrong. Yes. That's what I do. That's something I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. The anger because you, you, you realize you're in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. How are you about, I, I suppose that the word would be humility in, in wrongness, I guess. Well... I think I've asked somebody this question before and it got turned on me. Oh, yeah. How do I do that? But we're that? not going to do What do they say right exactly? Now. Okay, fine. Um, you know, I often think about these things in terms of work mm. and then personal life. Because okay. at work, I'm pretty good at that. Great. I'm like, yeah, that's my bad. Sorry mm -hmm. about that. I'll, I'll make sure. Because to me, it it's, feels pretty straightforward in what I do. Um, with analytics, it's like, yeah, I messed up. I didn't do that right. And that's on me. So I feel like I'm, I can be pretty humble. At home, <laughs> uh, when emotions are involved and I feel like there's more on the line, um, I, I, ha I think I have more trouble. I, I definitely don't like being wrong. And I feel a lot of times that I can, even if I know I'm wrong, I can argue to get my point across anyway and maybe even turn the tide and and say well you know maybe get them to rethink it mm. um i mean who likes being wrong yeah i don't know i don't know I, i'm trying to think of something i don't know maybe a magician <laughs> who says yeah i think it's in that hand and then it's not in that hand and they really did magic 
that doesn't make sense. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's a struggle when it, it's personal. I guess more personal, um, right? Because it feels more like uh, not an attack. Because that seems like a little aggressive. But yeah, I don't know. I'm also trying to think right now how to articulate that feeling. Yeah, because I think I know what you're getting at. You intuitively yeah. know that is it. It has more weight behind it when it's, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, an argument or a disagreement between two people who are close. Yeah. But as to why exactly that is, uh, I, I don't know myself. Yeah, because yeah, I was just thinking, well, like, what what do I feel in those moments? And because I can tell you at work, I'm not often embarrassed if I make a mistake. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's something sillier small that I messed up on sure but I feel like there are times you know when it's more personal um I feel more vulnerable to the other person because I am closer to them Mm -hmm. and so I guess that vulnerability that can sting more it penetrates more to like your core um I, I think that that's part of what it is for me is all of the negative feelings that I'm that I have at that moment are heightened because it just cuts deeper because of that vulnerability I have with that person, which I mean, I mean, often is why, you know, you can brush things off with your friends, but like if it's your best friend or like for me, like if it's my wife, the little things really eat at you more than you would think. And so, and often, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, if, if my wife gets, gets mad at me because I didn't unload the dishwasher and that's like a big frustration point. It's like, okay, yeah, that I, I get that. And then, you know, but she'll make a big deal of it because it's it's a bigger deal for her. Yeah, because I guess we both have more on the line. Because for her, it's not just about unloading the dishwasher. She asked me to do something, and I didn't do it. I didn't follow through. She, yeah, I didn't follow through with her wishes of me. And so that is like a much deeper conversation than a simple like, you know, brush up with your friend or something. Right. I suppose intuitively we understand in those moments that there's more, there are more things that are going to be affected by this disagreement than would be in the workplace. Yeah. In the workplace, I mean, you can generalize and say it's pretty much everything is professional as it should be. Mm-hmm. If there's a criticism about something you've done, it should be a professional thing, not just this is how I would like it done. It's, you did this, and you didn't do it well. Do it better next time. Okay, great. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm literally getting paid for it. Yep. In a personal situation, it's, it's not like that. There's going to be so many things that are affected by this interaction. And it's maybe not as simple either as a surface-level behavioral change. Because it's way easier to do that kind of thing. Yeah. It's way easier at work to like, you know, change some kind of habitual thing you do that isn't quite right mm-hmm. yep. than it is to make that adjustment in the home, I guess. Yeah. 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 So to answer your question, I guess it's just harder to be humble at home because, mm-hmm. it, yeah, there's more at stake. Um 
Was that your original question? Yeah, my notes. I I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. We'll write say down it was, and we'll say I answered it fabulously. Yeah. What's your relationship like with fear? Fear. I don't know. I don't know that I have a lot that I'm like deeply afraid of. I think a lot of fear I have is I'm not good enough or I can't do something. Right. Um, I, I suppose a lot of people have that, but I've always felt. Um, well, for one, I always have the thought somebody has been through something worse than I have. And someone has been through something scarier than I have. And for some reason, that's what I always think about. And yeah, I, I guess too, I, I, I don't know. I feel very blessed in my life too. I have a lot of really good people around me. And um, I know that the Lord, you know, is, is with me and he loves me. And so I think even when times where I am afraid of things, um, I guess there's always that thought in the back of my mind that it's, it's going to be okay. Um, I will say I've not had very many situations where I've been, I think, like deathly afraid, like afraid to die or anything like that. I've never had an experience like that. I've had, um, yeah, I, I, my life has been pretty... <laughs> Pretty low key. Pretty, I guess, as far as physically safe. Yeah, try and stay, try and keep it that way too, as best I can. I don't think that. uh, I don't want to say that many of us. I guess I don't know who exactly would be listening, but it seems like fears of physical endangerment are less common than fears about inner struggles and turmoil and thoughts. Because yeah. those are very common to me. I, I have a lot of, really, I think Christian would call it fear of man. There's a lot in me that worry, worries about um, how the things I do affect people around me and their perception of me. And that has resulted in a lot of Really, it's resulted, I think, in stunted growth because it's held me back from those relationships and those interactions that would have helped me forward at so much faster pace, really, had I known that earlier on or had I pushed past those fears earlier on. But I say all the time to people, I've only known how to talk to people for a few years. And I say that meaning just intentionally make conversation anytime when it's not an obligation. That was really difficult for me just a few years ago because I was afraid of people, really. Hmm. Growing up, I always would have told people, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a very introverted person. That's not true at all. It's just that I was afraid of people. Yeah. I was afraid of how my interaction with them is going to affect how they see me. I was worried that I wouldn't be wanted in the interaction, that I would be some sort of intrusion. Hmm. And so it took a lot of work and practice to get that fear out of the way because I basically had to actually test it out. Like, is here's my fear. 
I have to do the thing that I'm afraid of in order to figure out if the fear is valid. Hmm. And for me, a lot of that was social interaction in hmm. any given scenario, really. Um, so to get past that fear, it was just you stepping into it and just talking to people? Or what did that, what did that look like? Yeah, pretty much that. Hmm. It started with... Um, I say that it started in coffee shops, but it certainly started a little before that because when I left home, I didn't know anybody and I was just traveling. I was on the road. Yeah. And so obviously I interacted with people. Yeah. And it honestly felt more comfortable. I noticed that it was more easy for me to interact with people as I got away from home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as being in a settled place and just communicating in a friendly way with people Mm -hmm. who, again, I don't need to do that. I don't need to go what you might call that extra mile. Some people don't regard it as an extra mile, Um, but I don't need to do that. I don't need to stop and ask the barista what their name is. I don't need to ask the deli clerk how their day is going. I don't need to tell some random joke to a stranger. Yeah. Those aren't required things. Nobody's requiring it of me. Yeah. But in the moment, considering it would make me afraid. And so to get over that fear... I would have to do it. Hmm. And through this repetition and experimentation, I started to realize what things were really a lot easier than I was making them out to be in my mind. Hmm. And that's why I have a podcast. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So this is one of the ways you're Honestly, overcoming. This, this podcast came about because I started doing that. I started pursuing conversation with people and just talking for the sake of it Yeah. to people I did not know. Um, whether in like a grocery store or outside some building somewhere. Um, I traveled a little bit. So when I was in different places, just like one, when you, if you travel at all, really, and you're not just booking a motel, flying into the airport, driving to the motel and staying there and then going to a resort and gambling or walking around and riding amusement park rides. Like if that's traveling, then you don't have to stretch yourself and talk to anybody really. You don't have to do anything. True. But when I say travel, I mean just go to a place and explore. Hmm. If you do that, you have to talk to people. You have to start interacting with people. Yeah. One, it's going to be really difficult to get around and not do that. Um, and also, it's just such a missed opportunity. I mean, the people that you're meeting are the majority of the reason, probably, that you're there. That's a good way to that's look at it. That's the culture. The, wherever you're going is a place that's shaped by the people who are there. Yeah. So if you go there, why would you not want to talk to the people? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's my opinion on it. But I started doing that. 
and realizing, well, like, well, this is really easy. You literally just say hi, and then, and then you like strike up a conversation. Yeah, uh, that sounds very <laughs> well. For one, very intentional and very like you knew what you were doing. I guess is that is that true? Like when you were trying, you did you say I'm going to overcome this? And Definitely. If, why? Because I don't like the feeling of fear. It feels stifling. It feels like being under a wet blanket. Well put. And everybody is outside the wet blanket. And you can see them cloudily. And you can hear them talking in these muffled voices. But you're under this blanket. And you're like, ah, there's a party going on around me. And I'm under here. Look at the cheese at that cheese table over there. <laughs> gotta get me some. Of that I gotta cheese. get out of this blanket, man. Yeah, man. that's what. It, that's, that's a comical description. That's, no, that's of great, what though. fear feels like. It's visceral. Yeah, it's I can visceral, feel that. man. I can feel that. That's really well. Props to you for for doing that and for doing this podcast. I didn't realize that was like the the beginnings of it, like the purpose. The purpose of it. That's really yeah. cool. One of the purposes. I guess. Certainly, one of the purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're married. See. And you have how many children? One and okay. another on the way. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't think it, I had told no. you that yet, Is this but, a new thing? New uh, development? Relatively. My wife is 22 weeks pregnant. Okay. Um, so she's like halfway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about halfway. So, yeah. Little boy. Okay. His name shall be Jack. Great. So, yeah. I like that name. It's a good, strong name. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're pretty we're pretty excited. I know a Jack. The per- first person I thought of was this this young man who comes into the coffee shop pretty frequently. I haven't seen him in a little bit, but his name's Jack. He's from England. He's oh, no eighteen, way. and he's so fun. That's pretty cool. So now I have to tell him about this and be like, "Dude, you! I've talked about you on the podcast. You and he's tell- listened. He's and then, listened already to the okay, podcast. Okay, there you yeah. go. And then you can tell him that I named my future son after him. Yes." Before you even knew he existed. That's right. It's like yeah. there's a Jack out there, probably 18, something like that. Yeah. I'm going to name my kid after him. Yeah. Gosh darn it. I did it. Okay. So one kid and one on the way. Yes, sir. And you and your wife have been married how long? Uh, a little over three years. Okay. Yeah. And don't tell me what her name is because I remember. You've met her, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, this is pressure. Ugh. Pressure. There's so many names out there. But which one? I'm really good at this, though. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> What's the first letter? J. I think. No, it's J. It's J. I knew it was J. But I'm really struggling. While you're trying to think, uh, someone, someone pointed out to us that all of our family names, we all start with J. Oh, it's Jess. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I, it's, yeah I, I knew. It'll be Jess, Jack, John, and then our daughter, Lorraine. Or Laura. And so we're like, wow. We almost had all J's. We didn't even realize. But that wasn't what we were going for at all. But yeah, too confusing. Right. So So you've been married for almost three years, you said? A little over three years. Over three years? Yeah. How did you and Jess meet? We met on a blind date. Oh. Actually, shout out Drew Merritt. I think he lives in Kansas City now. Uh, Yeah, he was a mutual friend of ours. He, um, he was in a class with me, and then we also played like intramural sports together a lot. Uh, and he was also 
um, I don't know if he was like an assistant coach or if he was just like, just like a random student helping out with the girls. But he he was with the girls volleyball team. He would like travel with them um, at John Brown University was where we went to school. And Jess played volleyball at JBU. And so I, from, from what he told me, he said that he thought I was a really cool guy. Jess was a really cool girl. And so he said, I should just pair them together. There you go. And Two I, cool people. I, there you go. I, I still remember the text he sent me uh, really randomly one night. I was, in the, I was in the car with my mom, with my mommy. And uh, I just get this text from Drew. It says, thoughts on a blind date? Question <laughs> mark. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I said, yes. I said, yeah, well, let's do it. Which was a really interesting time because I had actually just uh, just sworn off women at JBU, uh, specifically women at JBU. <laughs> they were all crazy. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I I had just had several like false starts with girls that I don't even know if they knew I existed. More car or not. analogies. Yeah, they, um, yeah. It's horrible. They came out when we were talking about horses, and now we're talking about women. Something about it, man. Oh, man. Uh, it just speaks to me, though. Um, yeah, so a couple of false starts, and I was a little disappointed. Some things didn't work out, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm just not supposed to meet someone in college. You know, maybe I'll just hang with the boys, play basketball till midnight like I had been doing and most nights, and try and get you know, maybe a B, work my way up to a B in school or something like that. Uh, and then like two weeks later, uh, I get that text from Drew and I was like, there's no doubt about it. I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> Let's go. So, wow. Brave, uh, yeah. man. I mean, in general to, to, to do that, we've all, I'm mean, probably everybody listening has experienced some sort of heartbreak. So we all know when it's fresh, Thinking yeah. about going for that again is is scary, yeah. But also a blind date. Yeah. In like, what year was this, by the way? This was uh, my junior year. Because um, this was still 20, in the age of social media. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nobody goes on blind dates. No, no. This today. I, I think Tinder was out and all that kind of stuff, all that garbage. If yeah. I may be so bold, garbage. Um, yeah, and. I, I had never been on a blind date, and at the time, Je, Je, yeah, Jess had never been on a blind date, too. I didn't know that at the time, but um, it felt very low pressure to, like, Drew was very good about, he was a great guy. He was very good about, you guys, you know, like, there's no pressure. Like, I just want to see, you know, basically, and he's <laughs> like, I just think you guys are great, so I don't know, we'll, we'll see, and so there was no pressure. In fact, I even had, like, a, a plan for that night when I took her out, I was going to take her to a pizza place. And then if the night wasn't going very well, I'd just be like, thanks for having dinner with me. It was great. Loved every, uh, well, let's go, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then if it was going well though, I would ask if she wanted to go to a coffee shop. And then if that was going well, I'd ask if she wanted to walk just around downtown Salem Springs, which is, Incredibly romantic. It is actually kind of romantic. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Broadway. Yeah. Beautiful. It's quite beautiful street. It's, it's very nice. So, uh, yeah, Jess ended up making the cut all the way th- all through through all three stages. Wow. She made it to the walk. So, man. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. It was good. It was definitely nerve wracking. 
it was a little scary because once you realized we're like i'm gonna ask her to go to coffee now too you you recognize there's some sort of risk involved yeah well i think there's now still... you think you like the person well i pretty much liked her right away to be honest yeah. with you i thought she was really pretty and yeah i just was like yeah she's really cool to talk to and and I don't think our first date was like so amazing. And now like she told me it was like, it was good. Like it was good enough to get a second date. Yeah. <laughs> she said the second date is when I really popped off though, as far as like my personality and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Cause we really just talked about our families like the entire time. Uh-huh. Like we, we just asked each other about our families and, and that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, the, the date itself was like, was decent. Uh, but I knew I definitely, excuse me. I definitely wanted to see her, see her again. So, and I did, many more times. Many more times. You'll see her when you leave here. I will. Yeah. I assume. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, will. I, will. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple people on here, married men who returned to their phone after the podcast to find loads of text messages and missed calls Just. and worrisome. The worst. Worrisome messages. Yeah. And I, from that point on, at least for a little while, I obviously didn't do today, would tell the married guys I had on, it's like, look, just let your wife know. Make sure she understands. This can take a little while. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I did tell Jess that the episodes that I've listened to were, were right around two hours. Yeah. And so I kind of braced her for that. Right. Um, but honestly, she's probably having a, a great time without me. I'm... I'm positive about that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So that area, though, is such, like, it's a risky area. There's there's fear around going on a date, a blind date or any date, because it's it's important. There, yeah, it it kind of is important, which is a funny way of thinking about it, but it is potentially one of the most important things yeah. You'll ever do. Yeah, potentially. It has the potential to be like nothing or to be a a really big thing in the your life. First day of the rest of your life. Yes. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I totally agree. Cause and I mean, I'm not thinking about this is probably not potentially the most of it. This is probably you know, this could be it. And so I think there's some hope going in too. Like, yeah, I mean, that I, I was definitely feeling somewhat hopeful. I think there was also, I still kind of had that mentality of like, well, you know, there's no pressure if it doesn't work out. Um, then, yeah, there's really, like our friend groups aren't. That's one thing that I really, I've seen people get burned by. I have actually myself been burned by, um, by the whole friend group factor when you like someone potentially in the friend group yeah and then things things get awry is that a word i think it's a word what what word awry or awry Uh, awry. (laughs) cut that out cut that out (laughs) it's awry you know how you read a word all your life and you've never heard it out loud (laughs) uh you don't have to cut that out i'm actually I, i feel i feel okay about it um, oh no no! I'm not cutting it out. I'm gonna highlight it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if I hear it, that, I'm gonna make I, it I'm really loud. Out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> gosh, Ari, I can't believe I just said that. 
we're gonna oh. like we're gonna break this the dating segment into two chunks the first chunk which we just in and now and the second chunk then mm-hmm. but separated by a brief interview and in, inter, interruption interlude uh-huh. Uh-huh. where we talk we talk about words that are fun to say oh what words do you like just because it's a fun word to say feels good Ari. no <laughs> uh i was about to ask again I yeah <laughs> yeah Ari. uh man i uh you know you've asked me this before oh yeah you were you were there when we when we oh uh, i guess i question. yeah i guess i came into the conversation yeah. actually but yeah i can remember something that you said to me one of them was dookie oh my gosh yeah that's right <laughs> there's a word yeah dookie and i go a long way back with this word i, I oh, think I'm i told sure. you this was my xbox live gamer tag yeah uh retro dookie uh yeah it it served me well people <laughs> i would just hear these like 12 year old kids that were like dookie what's dookie <laughs> And it was the best. Um, yeah. One guy there, one of, I think it was one of your coworkers, said bubbles. Yeah, Davis th- said bubbles. I thought that was a great answer. I'm yeah. like, bubbles, that is kind bubbles. of funny. And it's funny, too, because my daughter, she likes that word. Like, you say ah. bubbles, and she kind of smiles and oh, nice. laughs. Yeah, it's a uh, pleasant-sounding word. Yeah, it is nice. Bubbles. I think um, what I told you initially was, um, because I wanted to sound intelligent, was visceral. Ah, I think that's what I said. But I, I think know. so, because somebody's used that word, mm-hmm. and I doubt there were two people who told me "visceral" as a response to that question in that day. Unlikely. Yeah, it's unlikely. Yeah, it's a good word though. Yeah, I like it. Anyway, back to dating. Yeah, dating. <laughs> Do you think it's a common experience? I make the assumption that it is. I think. I think I make this assumption. Is a common experience for a date to be a big deal. It is it a common occurrence, or do, do you I? think men commonly think of a date as being potentially really important, and because of that, also kind of scary or very scary, depending on the situation, I suppose. Um. I, I mean, I would, I'll probably say yes. I know I did, uh, no matter who I was going out with. And quite frankly, I didn't go out with very many people in my time. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember being nervous. Nervous as, as heck to go on dates. And, you know, either I was nervous because I knew who the person was and I was intimidated by them or whatever, or I didn't know who the person was and was just, you know, there are so many different possibilities, so. Yeah, I, I would say yes, probably. And if they aren't even like a little nervous, I would question maybe what their motive is or if they're really right. just that calm or that um, unaffected by that. Because I think dating, while I don't want to overstate the importance of it, I think it's like a big deal to want to pursue someone and, you know, have that kind of relationship, like a romantic relationship with someone, I don't think that should be understated. Perhaps. 
<laughs> I, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, hmm. I don't know what response I want to give to that, but I think Just let me have it. I agree. Okay. Well, I haven't, I've only been officially on one date in my life. How'd it go? Well, there wasn't a second date. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, actually, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I don't feel awkward much. A related yeah. um, thing is that I, it's very difficult for me to get embarrassed. Mm. I, I don't. Cause yeah. I'm just, I just don't care that much anymore. And, and if you ask me to think of an embarrassing moment in my life, mm-hmm. I can't really Except Oh, one that happened on my first date. Oh, wow. Do you want to talk yeah. about it? Yeah. Okay. So we were, um, going over these questions, 36 questions. There are three sets of 12 questions that increase as you go on in how vulnerable they are, where they require you to be. Oh, snap. One of the questions is, or I guess prompts would be a better term for it, is describe an embarrassing moment that you've had. And it was embarrassing to you that you couldn't come up with an embarrassing moment. No, I I think I was trying to think of something and I couldn't. And I farted. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's, uh, like, like, that's not good. That is not what you want to happen. Not in a way that I could hide either. It was like, it was obvious. It was like. It was a comical fart. <laughs> you could have played it off as like an yeah. animal that was walking nearby yeah. or some kind of car yeah. backfire. No. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, we could could not do anything but that. And we both just laughed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. soon as it happened. Wow. And that was that was kind of an embarrassing moment. So you were in the middle of trying to come up with a <laughs> answer. <laughs> yes, I think so. The irony. Either that irony. or she was talking about her embarrassing story. <laughs> and you just let her rip. <laughs> To make her feel better, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you know no. that's not as bad as this will be. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I'm cheering up a little bit. That's pretty bad, man. I'm sorry. Well, if you had to have just one embarrassing moment, that's a good one to have. Yeah. That's a good story. That's the story of the only date that I've been on. How do you feel about the, the lack of clarity around what is a date? Because I say I've only been on one date, and what I mean is, There has been one time in my life when I asked a woman, can I take you on a date? And she said yes, and we went out following that. With that established communication there, this is what this is. It's a date. Yeah. And what I've experienced, what I've I've witnessed really, and what I've also talked with uh, women about is the frustration that it's very uncommon today for men to ask women on dates to use the word. Hmm. And I think the reason is that when you acknowledge it as a date, you are now making yourself more vulnerable. You're, you're admitting that this is something and it makes it more risky if it doesn't work. Versus yeah. just saying, do you want to hang out? Yeah. Do you want to get coffee? Yeah. Would you like to connect sometime? 
I've used that language before. Yeah. That was an embarrassing moment, actually, too. Oh. Because I felt like an idiot after saying it like that. Yeah. Like, we should connect. <laughs> to a girl. Yeah. I said that to a girl. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there definitely needs to be clarity. I understand the frustration. Um, I think... I think you're right that it is kind of a matter of vulnerability and that I know as a guy, what I was terrified of if I asked a girl out was that she would say no and I would right. be rejected. Yeah. And I cannot live with that at, well, most times I would really have to work myself up. Yeah. And I've asked, I guess only three girls ever on a date and then there's chess, but I didn't have to ask for that. That was, which is kind of wow. funny. It's kind of ironic. Um, and all three times I was just, I was petrified. I was, yeah. I mean, I was, I remember like my hands were shaking like crazy and uh-huh. sweating. And yeah, it doesn't feel great in that moment to, you know, to, yeah, put yourself out like that. Uh, but so I, I, I can empathize with the, you know, wanting to not be vulnerable. Yeah, but I think that's part of uh, that's just part of the experience. I guess that's part of showing someone that it really does matter, and they matter to you. Yeah, you know, and you you're willing to go through that in order to get to know this person. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard. I think it's part of the experience. So yeah, uh, that's probably what I would say about that. So for any young people listening. If you want to ask a girl on a date or a guy on a date, call it a date. Yeah, I would. I would. I would just get it out there. I mean, yeah, I mean, my my wife and I, we both knew it was a date. It was a blind date. Right. And so. That had been established. um, Yeah. But even after that, we were pretty clear with each other what we wanted. And so even taking that a step further, I think you just got to be on the same page. Yeah. And if you're not on the same page, then. You can't really build trust and go forward mm-hmm. at all. Um, yeah. What do you think about guys asking girls on dates versus girls asking guys on dates? From what I've heard, it's actually not that uncommon in other countries hmm. for women to ask men on dates. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, which I think is great. I think the idea that the man has to be the one to ask the woman on a date. It's kind of silly. Anything, yeah, anything. Like culturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is also an aspect of my personality. Anytime I'm given something and told it has to be this way, I want to say why Yeah. and figure out if I can do it a different way. So it could be that the cultural norm is the man asks the woman on a date. Um, and so I feel an instinctive push against that. Gotcha. But a lot of the time, my reason for pushing against something is I want to know, is there a good reason for it being the way that it is? And if I can find good reasons for it being a different way, I feel justified in my rebellion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of a strong word, and you can maybe in different contexts, it's a bigger deal. But 
I recognize it's it can be as we've discussed it can be really scary to yeah. ask a girl on a date yeah heck yeah um so I get I, I guess I sympathize with other guys in that and and I would say uh yeah it's scary it'd be not it would be nice if a woman would would take up that mantle sometimes yeah um yeah. it's it's there's a lot of pressure yeah behind that well and like for my experience i didn't have to ask my wife out somebody else did i mean so it might as well have been her but yeah it I, i'm kind of with you on like the whole cultural aspect i don't know that that piece matters as much i guess it's more of like the heart of if you like someone and they're on your mind all the time and the situation is is right for it then why not i yeah i guess in my head it's like well i might as well take it into my own hands i think whoever knows first that they're interested in romantically pursuing the other person should be the one to ask that's a great point yeah because the other person could be oblivious yeah yeah they're not gonna ask that's a great point what to me, it really doesn't matter who, who does the asking. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, it's going to be somebody who's interested. Um, yep. Probably a lot of the time, only one of the two parties is interested initially. Hmm. And the other one may say yes because they think, you know, it could be fun. It's not a big deal. Sure, why not? Yeah. You know? Yep. And then there's the times, of course, where... Both people like each other. One of them has to ask at some point, yeah. and they do, and then they bite got, the bullet. And they're both excited, right? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that, that's what I think of it. I think the first person who knows, which you don't know if the other person knows. So really, if you like somebody, I guess you should ask him out. Yeah. If you're thinking of it. Yeah. Um, don't wait for them. I guess maybe I'm addressing the women listening now. If you're speaking, you know, to the cultural, uh, how, how do we say that? Yeah, cultural norm, I guess, of the last several years, maybe yeah. so. Yeah, because guys listening have, in large part, probably already experienced this as being the norm, that they're expected to ask the girl out. Um, so if you're thinking of asking somebody out, just do it. If you're a girl and you are a woman and you're interested in a man, don't, don't, please, for everybody, don't try to drop hints and get this guy to realize or suspect that you want him to ask you out so that then he does it. Don't do that, please. One, I don't think we ever know if that's actually the case. <laughs> He's not gonna know. I was gonna say that re- that requires if the man to pick up want. on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, is she is she floating, or did she just ask me for a cup of ice? You know, like cup of ice. That's pretty. Wow, that's <laughs> man, pretty forward. That's pretty steamy. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh, we're an hour and twenty six minutes in. What have we talked? About? Only. Oh, yeah. I mean, we keep going. And we're going to keep I'm going to keep, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, I think I got on that subject because I, I think I, 
I don't know. I was having a conversation with someone and either they or I thought I should ask people about their love story on, on the podcast as oh, a more yeah. regular thing. Yeah. And I thought that would be a really good idea. And I haven't made much um, effort to do that before intentionally. Um, but it is something that's curious to me because that's an area that is really important to me. It's been a subject that's been very important to me for a long time. Yeah. Um, and it would be interesting to learn other people's experience in that realm, especially people who are already married, have been married. Um, yeah. I feel like I had something else to say. I cut myself off. Very good. Very good. Man. Oh. <laughs> it, it's that in general, I have found this podcast is such an awesome opportunity for me to learn from other people. Yeah. Yeah. And since that's an important subject for me, why would I not garner what wisdom I can? Yeah. So come on, John. Give me, give me your wisdom. On oh my, <laughs> on love. On love, my wisdom on love. Um, if that's too vague of a question. Oh no, I can, I, I can, can just s- pinpoint something that is important to me. Okay, about yeah. that question. Yeah, do it. And that would be honesty. I think so much of loving someone is just being your true self with them. Because really, I mean, if you really, if you love one person so much, one of the hardest things to do for anyone is to just be yourself and to tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think for me that that has been part of my story is learning to be honest. And through that, I have found more love than I thought possible, which sounds cheesy. But you try it and let me know how it works out. Uh, because, yeah, it'll, it'll change pretty much everything. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, honesty is like the biggest thing that I've, that I've learned so far. Mm. Um, because it's, it's impossible to build trust. It's impossible to build up the love with someone if you don't believe them, if you don't trust what they're saying. And so right. that is... That's key. That's like the baseline. You know, if you have a pyramid of, of love, um, the base the base layer is going to be trust, and that requires honesty. Was there, was there a specific experience at some point when that really hit home for you in your relationship with Jess? Yeah, for me, I mean, it was just getting caught in lies. And for me, that that looked like addiction and trying to hide that addiction from my wife for, I I mean, pretty much my, our whole relationship. And when that came out, I mean, that almost broke us. And even after that, when we were trying to rebuild, I was still holding on to parts of it and just lying about it, telling people that things were okay when they really weren't okay and still not showing parts of myself. And yeah, I saw firsthand what that did, what being dishonest did to a person. Mm. It was awful. Um, 
yeah, it's still hard even to this day because that that doesn't just hurt them in the now, you know, in the moment. That is trust is something that is built up over a long period of time but shattered in a second. And so to to shatter that trust over and over and over again, it gets harder and harder to build that trust. Um, as it should be, because if if someone is breaking your trust all the time, there's a point where it doesn't make sense, you know, um, that it's too hurtful, too painful. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think there's there's always hope um, to rebuild that trust if if you know both people, both parties are willing to to make it work. But yeah, trust is huge. I think that is. If I had any wisdom. And I don't know if I do, but if I had any wisdom, that that would be the thing that I would that I would highlight in love. Do you think that in in that situation, the dishonesty was actually the thing that was more hurtful than the addiction or the behavior? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's that's like a funny thing that I had to learn because I wanted to control what other people thought of me, particularly my wife. You know, I wanted to control her perception of me. And so I would lie to her and tell her, you know, everything was good. And in the times when when I finally did start being honest, even when I would screw up or, you know, you know, fail at something, if if I was honest to her, it was much better than if I was still lying to her. And that, that can be hard to remember because the, the little, you know, the tiny voices in your head saying, just, you know, just sweep it under the rug. It's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. You know, no one needs to know about it. You can, you can handle it. Um, that's all low crap because all that stacks up on your shoulders and you start feeling the weight of that pretty quickly. And so, yeah, it, it definitely, the lies hurt more. In my case, hurt more than, than the actual addiction hmm. for sure. there's a verse in the song of songs for those who don't know it's a biblical book um that says something along the lines of catch the little foxes that are making their way into the garden it talks about these foxes that are ruining this garden all analogous language mm -hmm. And I remember reading or hearing from someone uh, a commentary on that short passage. And they were essentially saying what it meant or what it was trying to talk about was the little things that you don't think are big deals, um, the little things that you don't think matter that much, that if you don't catch them early, you don't catch them when they are just a small nuisance, will stack up and make a much greater problem for you later on. Yeah. And I think that's really true. Like to what to your point, you know, those even if it, even if it, in your head it's this little voice saying this little thing won't matter that much. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's Charles Spurgeon has a quote. Uh, oh, shoot, what is it? Many strokes fell lofty oaks. This idea that it's the little things that build up to do something great. Hmm. Yeah. And similarly, it's the little things that can 
create something great but not good something that is a huge problem that does great damage built on these seemingly insignificant things and that that's uh something that i thought of while you were talking about that yeah that's very true of my my story and and just i mean on the flip side it takes a lot of those tiny things to build back up that trust. And so once you get past or once you're starting to try and work through that pain and it, it yeah, it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. to build it back up. But yeah, it's uh, trust is a big thing. Vulnerability. We've, we've already mentioned vulnerability a couple of yes. times and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. Speaking of weird biblical books, yeah. What do you think of those weird biblical books? Song of Songs is one of them. Yeah. And then there's just Job's kind of one of those. Ecclesiastes is kind of one of those. I would say stereotypically these are. And then there's just all the weird stories that are all over the Bible. Yeah. Just scattered in every book. How do you feel about those? The weird story. Yeah. Generally? The weirdness of the Bible, I the guess. The weirdness of the Bible. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, it, I mean, it's, it, oftentimes it, it reads just like that. It can be weird because some, sometimes you're reading a, a book in the Bible and it's like a genealogy or it's listing all the, the armies of the, of the 12 tribes or, you know, whatever it is. And then, you know, there's other great narratives and, you know, stories and gospel, gospel truths. And I, I think it, it becomes less weird when you start to realize it's, it is connected. And I think that that's what I like about all those weird little stories is that there's, there are ways that they are connected. And quite frankly, I don't know a lot of them. <laughs> I haven't really done, I think, my due diligence um, and really studying those to the extent that I could, but I will. But, uh, yeah, I think that excites me. Um, I have a really bad example because I'm not going to really remember much of it, but <laughs> when Jesus is dying on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh-huh. And I was listening to a, a pastor talk about that passage and I, what he had said, and I will have to double check this because it's kind of important. But uh, <laughs> what I remember him saying was that that was something from a psalm. Yes. That, uh, you know, it's it's like a quote, basically, from a psalm that was really talking about the glory of God. Because I remember when I was listening to that, when I first read when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? I was like, yo, what? He's He What's thinks he's on? forsaken? Yeah. Like, what did, what is the point? You know, I was so confused. And then I was like 20, this was like a year and a half ago where I heard that sermon. I was like, wow, that just now made sense. Uh, and that is so cool. And I, it just gave me, I it got me excited that, that realization. And so, yeah, I, I think that's what I like about those weird little books in that, in that bigger book that mm. they're all, connected in one way or another generally what has your relationship with the bible been like over the years 
over the years, uh, strenuous. Strenuous. <laughs> yeah. That's a good word. Uh, thank you. It's, yeah, I, I knew it's always, so I grew up in a Christian family, and so I knew it was always something I should do. Never something I did very often. Um, but I'd say the last year especially, it's, to me, it's been a moment of respite from everything else. I bought um, this thing called, uh, it's, it's like a daily Bible. It has um, like a passage from the Old Testament, passage from the New Testament, uh, a psalm, and then a proverb, all like right after each other for like one calendar day. And so for like, you know, August, whatever, you would read, you know, this, this, and that. Uh-huh. And that is just like a quick, you know, it's kind of, you can get kind of, I get scatterbrained often, but I'll read that like before I hop into work in my car or something. And that, I don't know, I guess I, I see a lot more as like a moment of peace before I have to go into life. And you go through the Bible in a year of, of reading this? Is yeah. that the idea? Yep, that's the idea. Okay. So, yeah, I miss days all the time though. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of been my relationship with it the last year. I, I think there have been times, especially through college, that I was, I went to a, uh, a Christian university, um, John Brown University, and, and so there were like classes that we took that were, you know, centered around the Bible. And so I had deeper dives in the past. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, lately it's it's been more just like grab and go um, kind of situation. So. Was there a time that you started to care more about reading the Bible? Because if you, from from my experience, I'll say I grew up in a Christian home, so I read the Bible because it was something that you did. But that didn't I didn't necessarily care about reading the Bible. I didn't necessarily want to read the Bible for any yeah. reason, except that I thought it was what I was supposed to do, and I was essentially following the rules. Mm-hmm. Was did you do you relate to that? as a younger person and then was there a chance was there a, a time when that changed i do relate to that uh yeah because same same exact situation for me christian family and it just was the right thing to do and i you know i mean we were both smart guys back in the day so we knew what was going on um who you and i yeah we oh, both yeah. knew that it was something we were supposed to do of course um i think nowadays i know that i feel differently, I act differently, and I think differently after I read, after I get truth. I think starting out with truth first thing in the day is positive for me. And that's is very simple, but that's kind of where I'm at right now, that that's really what I need is just truth in the morning. And mm-hmm. I don't need to get, I don't need to bring out my commentaries from college and get back into the, the trenches of it, maybe someday. Yeah. Um, but for now, I, yeah, that's that's how I see it. Do you think generally people today have a weird relationship with truth? Weird. Uh, I know that was that's kind of an, what do you ambi- mean by an weird? ambiguous yeah. <laughs> way of phrasing that question. I know what you mean, though. Um, generally, I, I would say... Yes, I think they can be. I, I think, honestly, so much of truth comes from religion, faith, however you want to put it. 
Um, but that's where people all across the world draw their, their truth from. Um, in our culture today, there's a lot of people who are kind of going with the truth is relative. What, you know, my truth is the truth and your truth is the truth. And that makes zero sense to me. I, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know how people can think through that and arrive at that. Um, so anyway, I'm about to get canceled. I don't even have a Twitter or anything. Well, I'm about uh, to get canceled. Really, I put myself in, in, in danger of that <laughs> by asking the question. It's my podcast. Oh, that's you true. Know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the, yeah, the whole truth is relative thing is, yeah, I don't think, I think that's pretty weird. Wait. That's pretty yeah. weird. If I'm like, John, you are drinking from my mug over there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, there's not a mug on this table. Somebody's wrong. Yeah, well, the listeners at home may never know. Yeah, they might. They, we could be in a completely whitewashed room sitting on the floor with a phone with remarkably good microphones yep. in it. Yep. Um, and there's nothing around. There could be no tea, no whiskey. Yeah, definitely no whiskey. <clears throat> we could have formulated everything we've talked about. And it was all a lie. Yeah, my name's not even John. I don't know why you keep calling me that. It's, it's Hosea. I don't know. Hosea? Hosea. Or Jose. Hosea. We'll go with Hosea. Speaking of weird biblical books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Go truth? and marry this prostitute, Hosea. Done. He was, he was yeah, he was he was the, the prophet. And then Gomer, I think, was the prostitute that he married. I'm not sure. What do I think of weird books in the Bible? What do you think of truth? What do I think of truth? Is truth we no, I'm just kidding. How did you phrase that first question? Yeah, I guess. You know, there's a rabbi that I've really been enjoying a lot recently recent being like the last year probably um and he talks about how from an eastern perspective truth is viewed in a different light that truth the opposite of relative does not mean static Hmm. and that truth being rooted in something solid and unchanging doesn't mean that our perception of it doesn't change. And how it's dangerous to conflate the idea that there is ultimate truth with I understand that ultimate truth. Because I may understand a part of it, but if it's an ultimate truth, there's probably no way I understand all of it. I use the analogy for people all the time because it's really easy and it seems like it's very intuitive. You can take anything, listeners at home, I want you to do this too. Take anything in 
the room if you're in the car focus on the road but if yeah. you're in a room somewhere <laughs> i was gonna say look at something in your car but it's like that's that's not a good yeah, idea maybe no. just keep your eyes on but if you're in a room somewhere just look at something in the room that's you know at least like six feet away john i want you you can look at um let's just say uh Wow, why is it so hard? There's so many things you could you could look at right now. <laughs> About the watch. Yeah, that watch right there to, to the left of my camera. Okay, I'm looking you can look at, at that watch. I'm looking at it. And from here, you can tell obviously it's a watch. Uh, yeah. You can tell that it's made of metal. It has a metal uh, bracelet attached could, to it. Could be plastic. Could be. Have to insp- but I'll take your word for it. But yeah, you can you can pretty much tell that. You can tell because you know what watches look like which is an extension really of this whole analogy. You can tell that it's a watch because you're used to watches in general. But you can't see what time it says. Mm -hmm. If you get up and you move, you're going to be able to see what time it is if you get to a a different vantage point. Mm -hmm. You're also going to be able to tell what color the dial is, what color the hands are. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to see if it shows the date or if it just shows the time. Maybe you'll be able to see that it's an analog watch and it could it could have been a digital watch. Um, you're going to see those things only if you get up and move. And then the watch has more to it. Hmm. Except that the watch doesn't have any more to it. Nothing about it has changed. Your position in relation to the watch has changed. And now you can see things that you couldn't before. You can make out details that you couldn't before. Yeah. The watch is totally the same, but your position has changed. Mm-hmm. The thing about truth, from my perspective, I believe truth is, there is absolute truth. It's grounded in some one. I believe in a person being truth. Jesus said that he was truth. He made the claim that he is, as a as a being was truth truth wasn't just an idea it was someone which is really interesting to think about Hmm. so if i'm trying to get to know the truth it's probably going to look different as my relationship to it changes it doesn't mean the truth has changed but my perspective on it is going to change Inevitably, if my relationship to it is changing. Yeah. The thing that people run into, I think, that's scary and difficult is that to say that kind of sounds like saying truth is relative. Mm -hmm. And if truth is relative, then anything can be true. You can have your truth and I can have my truth. Right. But that doesn't work. That's that's a uh, this this uh, rabbi I mentioned, he's. He's mentioned this. And he says, that's a fallacy of logic is what it is. Because you can even tell from this really simple picture we just painted here. That's not actually how it works. Hmm. The thing didn't change, but your perspective on it did. Yeah. If I'm pursuing an interdimensional eternal being, and I am, and at some point I get to a place and I look back and I think, well, 
this bean still looks exactly the way he did hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah. I should be pretty, uh, I should be a little worried. Because that means I haven't moved. My vantage point hasn't changed, which probably means I haven't learned anything, which means I haven't grown. So I think that people fall into traps on both sides of this idea of truth. The trap of anything can be true and the the trap of my understanding of truth is absolute rather than truth is absolute. Yeah. There are things that I believed. I mean, all of us can look at our lives now and just look back a little bit and and realize there are things that I believe. There are probably things that you believed a few years ago that you don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. And we can take that further and look at history and where humanity has gone wrong um, in the way that we looked at truth. Mm -hmm. When people started saying... uh, the universe doesn't revolve around the earth. It seems like the earth revolves around the sun. Yeah. And this is a bigger thing. There were people who were worried and would call witchcraft on those people. Yeah. Yeah. Because they had a really static view of what the truth was. And they had taken it and they had put it in this really specific defined location. Mm-hmm. And then when someone came along with new information they couldn't revise, they didn't think of truth as something that they could revise. They couldn't change it. Mm -hmm. So now they have to pick it up and move it somewhere else and call it something else. Hmm. And I think within Christianity, people are really worried about that. They're worried about um, relativism and the fear of that, of it creeping in to congregations, to churches and all that, to the church. Yeah, yeah. And so I think a lot of the time we're in danger of toppling on to one of those extremes. Yeah, yeah. And then you come off as a fanatic as well, mm-hmm. as this person who's so rigid in the way that they view something that they don't have room to grow even when everything is saying like you need you need a revision yep it's not about i use the phrase throwing the baby out with the bathwater. i like that phrase because it gets the point across it's not about doing that it's about just recognizing what's the baby and what's the dirty water yeah you know you have to be able to drain the tub Mm. and put some fresh water in there get some new perspective you know clear the grime away. I just cleaned my shower recently for the first time. I've been in this apartment over two years, mind you. Oh, my. And my roommate commented on it. Yeah. He commented on my shower when he was in there one time, just like going into the bathroom for something. And he said, man, your shower is awful. And I said, yeah, but only the bottoms of my feet touch it. You know, it doesn't matter that much to me. Oh and then I started cleaning it, and I realized how bad it was. Yeah. So yeah. clean your shower. Good gracious. If you've learned anything so far, clean your shower. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me, Joel, because I, and I, I started thinking about viewing like, I guess, truth and, you know, faith in the context of a relationship. 
because right? the relationship grows and it evolves and it changes. Right. And so I think that's a really good way of looking at it. I don't know that I've really thought too deeply about truth like that. Because, yeah, you're right. If you're still believing the same things and still have the same exact perspective you did on God than you did 10 years ago, where what have you done? Where, where like, you haven't moved, you haven't learned, you haven't grown. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and yeah, you can apply that to any relationship. It's not exactly the same because I, I, I do think that the God I serve is unchanging completely because he's he's complete. Mm-hmm. This God is complete. He's whole. Um, and obviously we as humans are not. But the thing is that we are always changing. So that's right. that's the thing. Yeah. If you, like, you're a married man, if, if you don't continue to adjust and grow with your wife, then um, you're going to miss so many things not because she's complete and you can never get to the end of her, but because she's changing. She's evolving and mm-hmm. developing. And if you don't, then you you won't see those things. Yeah. Um, the beautiful thing, one of the most beautiful things to me about this perspective and how it's grown in me is that it allows me so much room for discovery mm-hmm. because it reminds me that the God I serve is, I can't get to the end of him. Yeah. So yeah. I feel very comfortable in growing and changing in my perspective on him. And that doesn't mean that I get to some place and I've out I've outgrown him because now I've I've just, you know, Mm-hmm. He's changed so much. Basically, the God I think I used to know isn't even, he's not even there anymore. It's not that. Yeah. It's that maybe the way I was looking at him from the perspective I had, there was a shadow that was in a place. And it took moving a little bit in this other direction to get around that shadow. And maybe that shadow was caused by me. Maybe I'm just looking through a fog because I can't see things clearly all the time. And maybe let's say I see God as an angry God because I'm an angry person Hmm. or because my dad was an angry dad. And so I import these perceptions onto this God and I have to find a way to get around that to see clearly. Hmm. Um, Yeah. When, when you, when you, when I start to think about, serving a god who i can never fully know it's very comforting Hmm. because when i get to a point where i think i fully know him like he will seem really small at that point yeah i've never i i can't even say that i've ever fully known a human being yeah. You as a married man, I'm sure, won't, wouldn't make the claim that you fully know and understand the being that is your wife. No, I do not make that claim. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even make the claim to fully know and understand me, yeah. myself. Yeah. There's so much complexity in every human being. It's, it's, we, we know that that's kind of an audacious claim. It's a very audacious claim. Yeah. And, and certainly of creator yeah of all things you know yeah yeah that's what i think of truth which is a really roundabout 
<laughs> yeah, I liked it. I'm just sitting here like mesmerized, but yeah, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, it's very cool. It enables me to dodge a lot of questions. There you go. And that's why you see it that way. I'm sure, right? Yeah. So yeah. I can wheeze a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Very like, good. did you do the dishes? Well, you know, what are dishes? See, the thing about truth. Uh... <laughs> well, the thing about truth is relative. Like time. <gasps> oh, no. And, you know, look at the time. What a segue. <laughs> what a segue. I, I just, that was totally organic, too. I didn't oh, yeah. plan any of it. No, 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 no. We're well, going to wind down. We this do. conversation, we're going to wind down. We're going to wind down. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Let me wind down. Yeah. Do you know how these episodes end? Um, I believe Christian let me know some kind of a story or something like that. Yeah, so there's a recommendation. The guest gives a recommendation oh, okay. and tells a funny story. Oh, a recommendation. Or a joke. A story or a joke? Yeah, I, I, I want to get people to tell a story because that's just so much more engaging. Yeah. Um, I've heard some good jokes. If I'm in the right mood and I hear the right joke, it'll really get me laughing. And I really appreciate that. And that's the goal, to end with laughter. Yeah. But everybody's got stories, you know. Some good, some bad. Yeah. Some like mine. Perfectly mediocre, I'm sure, as it will exactly. be. Exactly. That's what I like to end the podcast with. That's really my hope for this podcast. Yeah. Perfect mediocrity. Good, good, good. Yeah. You asked the right person for episode 34, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, 34. Okay. Most mediocre number. <laughs> um, uh, piece of advice. Or, recommendation. Or a recommendation. I didn't ask for advice. Oh, well, I But somebody, I mean, you to. this this could turn into advice. Um, somebody listening could need <clears throat> what you're about to say. Oh, my. What do I recommend? Got to get my pen and paper ready. Oh, to do the timestamps? Oh, jeez. Oh, you're going to want to timestamp that. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> at this point, all the talking around it, I'm just like, I'm just going to leave it. Just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> it's too long anyway. Yeah. I'm just leave it. Um, that was a funny moment. <laughs> recommendation. My first thought is a movie recommendation, but I feel like that's such an easy out. Go for it. Um, if you want. <sighs> Does recommendation have two C's or one? Bro. <laughs> You got me. I think it's just recommend. I think it's just one. When I when I wrote down your name here, that. I actually put a C in there, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's not right." S C H. Yeah, that's right. That is right. It is right. <laughs> it is. So now yeah. I've, I've crossed and, out, and it's the, J. It's J O N. Yes, J-O-N. I got that. Okay, but now I wrote S C H U L T Z. And then I crossed out the C. <laughs> oh, it was perfect. It was and now, now I've got to cross out the crossing out. Oh, yeah. Maybe you have to like write the Man. C below it or something. I probably just need to burn this notebook. Okay. Now i got to refocus here. <laughs> Recommendation. What do I recommend? Um, it's going to be so bland. Uh, I recommend if 
if you're married, well, this is exclusive to non-married people, though. And you said you were going to write this down. Oh, I mean, it can be an ex- exclusive advice. But I don't want to exclude just, you. No, just give your... You got me in some kind of way right now, Joel. Man. Um, okay, I recommend coming up with positive activities for yourself. Things that put you in a good state of mind and make an effort to do those things. I'll use an example. For me, it's golf. Mm. I like playing golf with people who I enjoy being around. Because I can talk to them, we can laugh, and we can play a little golf, get out in the nice cool air or hot air. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a positive activity, something that makes that puts me in a better state of mind. And I think as busy as life is, it's important to know what those are and to make an effort to do them. It's really hard to write down all of those words. Sorry, sorry. Can you shorten your recommendation? Uh, Positive activities. Figure them out and do them. Very succinct. I like that. There we go. There we go. That's still not what I wrote down, but that's fine. That's fine. fine. Whatever you wrote down is perfect. (laughs) That's Uh, good. That's a good recommendation. I've, I've recently actually been trying to do a similar thing yeah yeah a little dissimilar which is a word i like and don't often get to use or don't often make a point to use i asked a friend to give me criticism on myself Ooh, yeah that's hard to do it was a little scary but i trust her so i was like this will be okay did she yeah was it helpful yes the thing that she brought up, and I was already thinking this, is that I ought to try more things oh. and be adventurous Yeah, and stretch myself. Hmm. Not try things in an effort to figure out more hobbies to occupy more of my time because I don't actually have that much time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But just to do things intentionally to get out of my comfort zone because it'll help me, yeah. help me to grow. And since that conversation, I've been doing that more intentionally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I I find that to be really helpful, especially when inevitably we all have a bad day. And when that bad day comes, if you've been doing those positive activities or just things, you know, whatever it is, you tend to, at least for me, I tend to take those more in stride and they don't hit me as hard as as they would normally. Um, yeah, just because it's, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you have a good point about not just it wasting time or just something to do when you're doing nothing or whatever, you know, make it purposeful if you can. But, you know, sometimes it just needs to be fun, something you enjoy. And sometimes yeah. that is feeling like you're wasting time. But I say if it's putting mm-hmm. you in a better state of mind, it is no waste of time. I agree with that. Okay. Now, make me laugh, Joe. John, I, Joe. I've caught Joe. <laughs> I've, I knew it. I think I knew I've it. unintentionally Dude, called you Joe like I, two times. Well, today. I know you, I know you did earlier, but you covered so well that I wasn't going to say anything about it. But I noticed it, Joe, <laughs> and you. Yeah, I was like, you son of you a know, gun. So, you son of a gun. <laughs> one letter difference. 
It's true. I and, mean, I've and, you know I've been called Joe all my life, yeah. and you know he's a good guy. Yeah, he's he's pretty, he's pretty he's, great. You know. Yeah. That one thing about him, you know, he needs to work on that. But yeah, we won't talk about that. Yeah, we won't mention yeah. it. But generally, he's he's a solid dude. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Anyway. Um, so, you, so do, do you, you wanna, have a funny story? Do you, are you okay? A story? Yeah, I, I have both actually, because I listened to these and I, I knew this was coming. Oh, okay. So you just want a story, or do you want a joke, or what do you? Want? How how quick is the joke? It's you could it's both. not very quick. I'll just do the story. I'll okay, just do okay. the story. Okay. I like drawn out jokes. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. A story. The year was. I don't know what the year was. I was in early high school. I was probably a freshman in high school, freshman or sophomore. I was with my friend Christian and my younger brother Joe, who have been mentioned previously in yes. this podcast, uh, and our friend Jenna. And we were doing something pretty um, unethical, not quite right, um, pretty childish, slightly dangerous um, and I, of course, am talking about ding dong ditching. Ah, and we slightly dangerous. It it can be. We okay. yeah, it, it can be. Yeah, dangerous. You might be in a hurry to get down those stairs and slip and knock your teeth out or something. Or the people living there have a gun. Oh yeah, crazy. This is Arkansas. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, it can be real slash Oklahoma. Yeah, this was Arkansas. This was this was Arkansas. Um, this was just last week. Yeah. Well. <laughs> No, I didn't say that. I did not say that. No. Uh, yeah. So early high school at night, we were just walking down the street and this was like a thing we did. It's really bad. I actually really, it would annoy me now as an adult. So I really don't recommend people do this. Um, but we were, we were, we were on the prowl. We were looking for uh, ding dongs to ditch and uh, we found some apartments and we heard music coming from an apartment. And so what we decided that at the time, and I want to be very clear, at the time, Christian was the fastest runner. At the time. I'm way, I'm at least, I'm way faster than him now. But uh, we decided that Christian was going to do the deed. He was going to knock on their door, ring the doorbell, and he would take off. And Jenna and Joe and I would hide behind the car across the street so we could get a great view of you know, just what was going on and uh, what we were doing to these people. So Christian knocked on the door and took off. And what he did was he he went down down the building, uh, down the front of the building, and then took a hard left to like the side yard and then ran behind the, the other apartments. So he wasn't like running down the street. Um, so he knocked on it and the first, first time the guy opened the door and it was a young guy. <clears throat> He was jacked. He was like bigger than you, Joel. Which for the folks listening which, at home, I have to say, wow. I weigh 125 pounds. We're just going to put that out. Okay, so but that is pure muscle he was, then because you're he stacked. Was, he was at least 130 pounds. He was at least 130 pounds, and he could rip my head off. And so Christian kind of runs around because the guy, the guy looks down the street, doesn't see anyone, and he, he kind of sees kind of you know whiffed about it closes the door, goes back to the party. The music starts blaring, and Christian comes back to Jenna and Joe and I behind the car, and he's like, what happened? What? And we, he came out. He came out, and he looked around. He didn't see you. Go do it again. Just do the same thing. Run run behind the buildings. 
So Christian did. He walked across the street, looking both ways before he crossed the street, pounded on the door, and took off. And like probably in half the time it took him the first time, probably like five seconds, he opened the door again really fast. And he looked around again, and Christian wasn't there. He was gone. He closed the door again a little bit harder this time. Christian comes back around. We say, do it again, man. Uh, just keep going for it. So Christian knocks on his door a third time. And he kind of banged on it. And as soon as he got around the corner, it was literally like one or two seconds. The guy swung the door open and was walking outside. He was livid, okay? He probably had a party, you know, friends over. This was disrupting the night. I can't imagine. It was probably awful. But for us, we were just watching it in all its glory from behind the car across the street. This guy stands out on a sidewalk, and he can't believe because he, he still can't see Christian. He didn't see him. Christian was already gone. He was running behind the buildings at this point. And he just couldn't believe. He was like in a stupor sitting there on the sidewalk. And then from behind us, there is a house on top of a hill with a back porch. And there is an old man sitting on the back porch. And he starts yelling, hey, there's one down here. Oh, there's three of them. There's three behind this car. Oh, and he starts yelling to this guy, telling him where we were. <laughs> and this is just pandemonium because Joe and Jenna, their first reaction is just to run. So they just take off. My first reaction is to freeze because it was pitch black. And I mean, the streetlights were pretty limited. So it was kind of dark. So I just stayed. And then the guy just saw Joe and Jenna walk, you know, run away. And he was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know. And he like looked up at the guy. He's like, hey, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, whatever. Those kids are, you know, he's, I think he said some choice words. Um, he went back inside and he slammed the door shut. I remember that. I can still hear it uh, at night. Uh, <laughs> and so I get up and I start jogging toward where Jenna and Christian, uh, toward where Jenna and Joe ran. And then that guy was still on his porch. He's like, oh, there's one more. There's one more. But the guy had already gone inside. So it was no big deal. He was, he was kind of a... Yeah, it didn't matter. So I ran back. I ran to the side street, and I was trying to look for Jenna and Joe, and I couldn't find them for a little while. So I ended up going, like, pretty much around the block, and I found them finally, like, way, like, probably a quarter of a mile away from where we were at. And they were kind of frantic, and they looked very surprised to see me. They were like, John, John, you have to go get Christian. He went back for you. We thought they got you. We thought they got you. So they, yeah, they thought I had gotten captured and was being detained by these people. And so Christian went to go give himself up and negotiate or just, you know, be oh, there man. with me or get me out of there somehow. Uh, and so that was, a, that was a pretty scary moment. And so then I end up, I sprinted back to that place and about halfway there. Um, I saw Christian just walking slowly, you know, back to the thing, kind of like with his head down and just anticipating what what was about to happen to him, and uh, oh, he was walking back to the apartment door. He was on he his wasn't way. There yet. No, he wasn't there yet. So I grabbed him and I was like, "Let's get out of here." And so he, yeah, he was very thankful to see me. We hightailed it out of there and got Joe and Jenna and went back to Jenna's parents' house, who Jenna's dad was a pastor. I might add. So we didn't tell them what was going on, but we were all kind of like shaky because we were kind of they they were certain. I was captured. They were 100% certain that I was captured. And uh, so they, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know if they could tell we were shaking up, but Jenna's mom made us hot cocoa, and we had hot cocoa, and that was that was the end of it. I, I think we, I, I might not be certain on this, but I think that was the last time we went ding dong ditching. So that really gave us a scare. And now Swiss Miss just brings back all those memories. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, so it that was, was almost more of a scary story. I guess it was. Than a funny story. It wasn't really. Funny I mean, it at was. All. Halfway there. Yeah, yeah. You know? But, uh, <laughs> well, that's what I got. Yeah. You but. can tell the joke if you want. Oh, the joke. Okay. I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Okay, so two hunters are walking through the forest. Okay, they got their guns and they're, they're looking around for that deer, you know, their, their prized buck. And um, they come across this, this huge hole in the ground. And they're like, what the heck is this? You should see how deep it is. They can't even see the bottom. So they take a, a rock and they, they just toss it in there and they're listening. They're waiting for it to, to hit the bottom and they don't hear anything. So they get a bigger rock and they toss that in there and they still didn't hear anything. So one guy, they finally they look around and they see this old rusted anvil just sitting in the woods and they're like, oh, let's, let's take this. So they work together, they grab it and they chuck it down there and they're waiting, they're waiting. And then all of a sudden they hear like, like coming up behind them. This, this something running right at them super fast through the woods coming right for them they turn around and it's a donkey that is running through the woods straight at them and it almost knocks them into the hole but they jump out of the way the donkey goes straight and dives into the hole it just jumps in and the hunter's like what just happened this is crazy this donkey just committed suicide just jumped into this hole and so they're standing there in, in shock and disbelief. And then a, a third man comes up. He's a, he's a farmer, owns a farm down the way. And he's running up. He's out of breath. He's like, hey, guys, hey, have you seen my donkey? Have you, he just took off. Have you, have you seen my donkey? And they're like, yeah, we saw him. He almost, he almost killed us. He almost pushed us in this big hole. Um, he, he just, he, I'm sorry, he jumped into this hole. And the farmer's like, that, that, that doesn't make sense. That's impossible. I had him tied to an anvil. <laughs> that's my joke <laughs> it's a, it's I, I a little like on that. the longer side <laughs> yeah I like that though. that was good nice thanks <laughs> I can just imagine the expressions on their faces too shock and disbelief yeah yep, yep. <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy okay well that's it this is fun remember listeners you too can have a conversation like this. Perhaps in Walmart. True. If you try hard enough. Yeah, just get yourself out there. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Push yourself out there. Yeah. You know, it might it might get you a date. You never know. After this podcast, there might be women asking men out all across the world, all your millions of viewers yes. that you've that you've yeah. touted as your yes. listeners. Uh called out all the women Joel maybe maybe there's a woman out there who ends up asking you out because she heard this that would be really funny that would be something else yeah I'd just be honored that I got to be here <laughs> for that yeah that would be something <laughs>
Oh, that I didn't even notice. That. You <laughs> look like a newborn baby. <laughs> yeah, people were asking me, where'd you get the bow from? I was like, they put it on me when I was born. There you go. Just slapped it right on you. Um, yeah. Enjoy. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.